Morena, kia ora everybody, what's up? It's Rebet. Uh, welcome to Rebet Live. Another day. Uh, hope the week's been a okay. A little drop down from 2.5 to 5 if you're in Auckland. Um, I'm really excited about today's guest. So excited that I, I sent him text messages and emails and links. And then old mate forgot it. And so here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the bro, Mike King. How are you, mate? <laughs> Morena, brother. Morena. This doesn't look like your office, but you've been going to the gym, so that counts. Yeah, well... My car basically is my office these days. I don't have a permanent office. I just, you know, airport and car and get around the schools and get around workplaces, trying to uh, improve the mental uh, the mental health of the nation, I guess. You've, um, I appreciate you pulling over the car last <laughs> minute. Are you, are you parked safely somewhere or is this kind of sketchy? No, I am. I am parked in um, in some some kind of um, retail outlet area. So I'm good to Got go, it. brother. So I want to jump into straight into something. You haven't been to the gym in how many decades? And how is the fourth press up going? Twenty two years. I had my first session on Monday. I couldn't walk Tuesday. I went back Wednesday, uh, and yeah, super sore. But today I was uh, I was pretty good. On like on Wednesday, this is how bad it was, bro. On Wednesday, uh, it was very ego bruising. You know, it was a big um, class of people there. I could only get three sit ups done, bro. Three. And, uh, you know, it was like, man, it was, you know, it's, it's a huge hit to your ego when you're watching other mm. people not only doing sit-ups but with weights. And, you know, was, the old me would have quit. I would have just been too embarrassing. But I went back again today and uh, pushed through, got 20 done today. So I was Dude, I'm pretty stoked with myself. Shit, yeah. Three to, mate, you got a 7x return on that, mate. You're, you're on fire. How's well, the, what was the, what's the, dri- what was the driver? Because I know um, – when I, to change the topic a little bit, but still on the same thing, is I remember, you know, I put on a few kegs and and the bro Monts, Monty Beetham was saying, he's like, mate, yeah. you know, you're fighting fit, you get your body right, you, your brain gets sharper and you'll be, you'll be a weapon out there in the, the mix. What was the, what was the core reason you decided to jump back into gym life or to try and get fit after 22, three years? It's like a massive... It's big, right? It's huge. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be brutally honest, brother. Snap Fitness are uh, doing um, a 28 day challenge uh, to to raise money for our charity, and uh, uh, cool. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna encourage people to get out there and do something they ain't gonna do myself. So, you know, yeah, I yeah. put my big boy pants on and went out there, and it doesn't start till next Thursday. But I just thought I needed to at least let them know where I was at before I started. And the challenge, you can you don't have to do it at the gym. You can do it in the hotel room. You know, they send you a little wee schedule on the app and then you just go ahead and do it, bro. So um, I, I did a big diet last year. Uh, went from 107 kg down to 87 kg in seven Jeez. months. Uh, that was probably a little bit too much. So I'm sitting now around 96 and uh you know i just felt much sharper you know with the um with the change of diet uh so my diet was really simple if you can't kill it or grow it you can't eat it so that was bread gone oh okay yeah you can't kill it you can't grow it you can't eat it so and no sugar so that 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 was my that was my sugar would do it 
the, yeah. the sugar the sugar gets you and were you doing like um like any sort of intermittent fasting type stuff or extra hydration no, no, or no. was it just just straight into no, it? just three three squares a day and a couple of nuts in between and um uh you know breakfast is the hardest one because you usually have cereal or uh you know or porridge yeah. or something you know so that was super tough but because you have to cook um and you know it was easy at first i thought man i can eat these omelets every day but uh after 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 three days your uh, body rejects eggs so yeah no but 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 you know uh mentally i never felt better in my life didn't have that afternoon lag where you just wanted yeah. to but you know, as in as in all things in life, brother had that bike crash, and uh, and then in the recovery started eating the wrong food again, and so I just felt myself going downhill. Uh, so here we go. Uh, along comes this challenge. So might as well change the diet back and uh, do a bit of exercise, and let's see what happens. Dude, good on you, man. Um, obviously, this week um, it, it's. I was thinking about obviously we're going to catch up and I didn't talk to you in, in a minute, but I was last week I caught up with a couple of um, sort of ex pro snowboarders who are now, I guess, out of that world and into it. Yeah. And then when um, we, I knew we were going to catch up, then I thought about for a second, I was like, well, what's that same transition piece? And I was wondering, you know, what's it like rewind back 22 years, you wake up and you're Mr. Funny. You, yeah. you wake up today in 2020 and it's Mr. Save, save lives, real deep, gnarly shit, probably the most, probably one of the most non-humorous topics of all time. How does it feel to wake up in 2020 with a different headset from two decades ago, just at a total macro? Well, t- uh, two decades ago, or just over two decades, decades ago, um, I, I, my dream came true. The million to one shot, I won lotto. Um, you know, I, I was on stage making people laugh. My whole life I had, you know, I have craved uh, being a comedian, um, from the day I was eight years old and I told my first joke and people laughed, um, was the first day I ever felt validated. It was the first day I ever felt valued. Uh, and that eight years old, that was day one of my comedy career, but it was also, uh, I realized now day one of my downfall because that was the first day that I started to get my self-esteem from the approval of other people. To me, laughter was love and um, without realizing. So that was my goal. It was a, the first time I made them, I told a joke in front of a whole lot of other kids and they were just taking the piss out of them, trying to make them tell a joke again. No one laughed. And as they were doing that, I jumped in and I told exactly the same joke and everyone fell about laughing. And I thought, man, the buzz I got from that was yeah. just so from that day forward, all I wanted to be was a stand-up comedian. So, you know, just over 22 years ago, um, I make my way onto the stage for the very first time and smashed it. You know, it was such a, it was such a buzz. It was at Kitty O'Brien's in uh, 1994. Uh, what I didn't realize at the time was uh, one of the greatest uh, comedy writers and and comedians and social commentators of all time, Ben Elton, uh, who wrote The Young Ones, who wrote uh, Help With Blackadder, written heaps of books. He was in New Zealand doing a uh, book tour and he came up the stairs and heard the intro that I got and stood at the door and watched. And 
he came out the back afterwards and, you know, we had this, you know, we had this, it was my first ever gig and he said to me, you know, that's not your first time. I said, yeah, that was my first time. He goes, no, you can't be your first time. I said, that was my first. He said, if that was your first time doing stand-up comedy, you're going to be famous. And I was like, man. So my whole life I'd worked towards this dream of being a stand-up comedian Little did I realize back then that that stand-up comedy dream was setting me up for the job that I was meant to do, which is which is the job I'm doing now. So I would never have picked it. I would never have picked it 20 years ago that yeah. I'd be doing this. And, you know, a, a lot of things had to happen for this to happen. Um, if it hadn't been for the the lovely Auckland District Court judge who gave me two hours, uh, two hundred hours of community service for riding my motorbike without a license, I mean, what kind of a jerk off gives someone two hundred hours community service? But and I was pissed at the time, man. I was so, you know, what the hell? Everyone else, you know, I know bloody uh, molesters who get less than that, and but. You know, uh, when I was sitting home fuming, I got a phone call from the school saying, hey, can you come up here and give us a talk? We've lost a few kids to suicide. And uh, up I went, walked into the school thinking I'd just tell them some jokes and tell them to stop killing themselves and just knew that it wasn't the right time for jokes. So I just started mm. sharing my story uh, about my battles through my whole life with my um, my inner critic, you know, that little voice that undermines yeah. your logical thinking and... What I discovered later on was I was probably the first flawed adult in a lot of these kids' lives. And instead of doing what adults normally do and going in there and telling them what they're doing wrong and telling them what they can do better, instead of doing that, I was talking about myself and my journey, which allowed them to recognize themselves in my journey and uh, take off their masks and you know, and, and start talking about their lives and opening themselves up to me. And it was, you know, our kids are so, um, such an amazing generation of young people out there. And we're just, we're stifling their growth with our, you know, with our constant picking up on the negative things that they're doing. Uh, but if you show vulnerability to a young person, give them something they can hurt you with. And, and for me, that was telling them that, you know, Quite often, I cry myself to sleep. I'm, in, uh, you know, I'm indecisive at all the time, despite what they're seeing on the telly at the time. Was this, you know, aggressive, confident person? But by taking off that mask, they took their masks off, and they showed me how um, uh, empathetic, um, how how um, connected, how. Uh, intelligent they really were with their with their questions and mm. and how caring they were it was a mind-blowing experience for me and as i was driving home i was you know just as i'd shown them you know uh just as they recognized their story uh their life and my story i recognized my life and theirs because when they were talking mm. about their parents and some of the things that um was going on for them i, I spoke to five kids who were on suicide watch and um, as they were talking to me about their their life, I said, you know, my question was, have you talked to your parents? Have you talked to your teachers? And I was like, no. I said, why not? Because every time you talk about them, they make it about them and they just make you feel worse. And I was like, all right, I've got five kids. Give me an example. Da-da-da. And I was like, oh, shit, I do that. Da-da-da, I do that. 
I do that, I do that. And so I'm driving home and I'm thinking on the way home, oh my God, my poor kids. You know, it was a game changer for me. And I got home and I got home and I said to my wife, you know, I'm, man, I love this. She goes, well, good thing you do because uh, four other schools have heard about the talks that you did today and they want you to go and do that. So next thing I was doing my 200 hours in schools, about a month later, my uh, my probie rang me up and said, hey, man, you don't have to do those schools anymore. I was like, hell no, man, I'm never quitting. Yeah. So yeah. the the it's almost like a journey from kind of like humor to the heart, you know, like the, the, the skill set gave you this talent for humor, but in reality it was the skill set to actually the, the, the caring and going oh, to the to heart. Communicate, to, to, to bro, you know? Yeah. To communicate and connect, you know, we're so quick in this country because of our medical model of, of mental health. We're so quick to give people labels, you know, and, and, mm. you know, the, you know, this, once I give you the label depressed, ching, ching, it's like ringing the till, bro, you know, anxiety is a mental health issue. Now I can start ringing the till on you. Bipolar, that's three sevens, brother. You've just hit the jackpot. Money's raining in, you know, um, and I'm so tired of, of the way that we're, we medicalize everything. Depression and anxiety, we treat both of those things, right? We're trying to treat, but that's, that's treating the symptoms. It's not looking at the cause. You know, what What drives these behaviours? Why are so many people uh, in this country depressed and anxious? And, you know, you don't have to dig very far to find some clues. For example, the way we work today is having a devastating effect on, on the mental health of not only us, of, of our kids, you know. Um, we're all expected to put on our perfect faces and you know and and shoot from the shoot from the three point line and nail it 100% you know and everyone's talking themselves up so we're all wearing masks we're all running around uh, wearing masks and pretending we've got our shit together as i say to the kids man the first rule of mental health no one's got their shit together now we think um, depression and anxiety is the number one problem in mental health today it's bullshit that's the that's the uh, that's the result of the number one. The number one problem in mental health today, Robert, is an overactive inner critic. That little voice that has you second guessing the things you do, say, and see every day. You know, confident people, hmm. they're inner critic. That confident people are always making it about other people. For example. Uh, if I'm walking down the hallway to work, I pass you, I say, hey, Robert, you keep your head down and you keep walking, right? A confident person, they're in the critic or, or you know, uh, their alert system, they will go, oh, shit, Robert's a, Rob, Robert's a bit off today. I, I better go and check in and make sure he's okay. A person with self-esteem issues, rejection issues, someone like me who's never felt like they were good enough, other people were always better, despite the mask that I was wearing, I walk past, hey, Robert, you walk past me. Oh, man, told you Robert doesn't like you, bro. Yeah. That guy is always, you know. So I'm constantly overthinking things, and it's always about me. Now, if that little inner critic stays with you long enough and ruminates over the things that you're seeing and getting wrong reads on everything that you're seeing, 
over time, man, that's depressing. That's depression. Mm. If you're, if your um, inner critic is constantly telling you that people are gossiping about you and, and, uh, you know, and, and saying bad things about you to the point where you can't go out in public anymore, that's called anxiety. But the root cause of all of that is an overactive inner critic. So how do we get here? Well, well, the way we work, bro, you know what it's like. You know, you, you, you're, you're sitting there, you go to a work meeting, the boss comes in and he goes, right, pays lip service. You know, it's great job there, great job there. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty. Now 85% of our time is focused on everything that's negative, right? We're always focusing on the negative. Uh, no matter what your job title, anyone who's watching this, no matter what your job title is, we've all got different job titles. I'm an ambassador, you're a CEO, um, you know, there's road sweep. But no matter what, we've all got different job titles, but our job descriptions are the same now. We are all risk managers. You know, when the boss gives you something, you've got to come up with a risk management plan. What's the risk here? What's the risk to me? What's the risk to the company? What's the risk to the customer? What's the risk to the environment? What's the risk to the children? Risk, risk. Now, the problem with risk management is this. 99% of what everyone does every day is fine, but no one cares about what you're getting right. We are firmly focused. 99% of our energy is focused on what's, what could go wrong, what's just gone wrong, or what's going wrong right now. Well, it's so defense, we not always, offense, right? Yeah. So that's... we're always focusing on the bad things. So, And the person that's focusing on the bad things never talks about the bad things that they've done, you know, the wrong things that they've done. They never talk about their feelings. They never talk about their uncertainty. They're always talking about what you got wrong because that's what they're getting back. So, and opinionated journalism is another one. Everyone's got an opinion now and we're entitled to our opinion but when you're saying your opinion you're putting someone else down all the time now we don't you know people don't know the net result of all of this so if i come into your office right you, you come into my office and say, hey mike what are you what are you doing now i'm doing those uh, five things you asked me to do robert well i need this uh, i i need this blinking uh, report on my desk at eight o'clock tomorrow uh, it's four o'clock now yeah i need it at eight o'clock uh, so I'll put the stuff. No, I need that done as well. But do that. So now I go home, right? I'm sitting at my computer. I'm stressed. I'm plugging away at this thing here. Kids come along. No, no, please, please. Dad, Daddy's busy. Daddy's busy. I've just got to finish this, but I'll be with you in the morning. Please, please, please let Daddy finish. So, you know, now it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm on draft 472. I'm halfway through my second bottle of shardy. I know I've got to go to sleep. I go to sleep. I can't sleep for an hour. I finally, I'm up at four now. I'm back at that computer. I'm typing away, typing away. Kids wake up. Daddy, Daddy. Oh, please, Bubba. I'm not just, when I get home tonight, when I, I promise when I get home tonight, right? You look at it finally at eight o'clock in the morning. You think, wow, that's pretty good. You take it into Robert. Robert looks at him and goes, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, that, that needs fixing. Fix that. Fix that. Fix that. Great first draft. And now I'm walking around, fucking first draft. First draft. Now I'm feeling like I'm not valued. I'm yeah. feeling like nobody cares. You know, you've paid lip service to the stuff I got right. Do you know how hard I work? So we're all feeling like we have no value anymore. We're all feeling like we're disappointing people. Now, 
I finally get home that night. I'm feeling like, you know, nobody cares about me. I walk into the house and suddenly there's a power shift without me even realizing this. And suddenly I'm the CEO. And all you little bastards walk work for me. Who left that sock on the floor? How many times I told you not to leave that sock? Who did this? Who did that? Kids come home. They'll tell me about five things that happened in their day. Four amazing, one's bad. What do I focus on? What the hell do you Why mean you failed that mass test? I told you. You know, I got four tries today, Dad. Yeah, you should have got five, mate. What about that pass? You, you know, this is the sorts of thing that this is the this is the fertile ground that the inner critic grows in. Mm. But meantime, we're all wearing our perfect masks. We're putting up our cup of coffee on Instagram. We're putting up our all of our got our shit together posts. Which Hashtag blessed. Hashtag yeah, blessed. Which is fine if you've got some you know, miles under your belt, right? And you've been down this road before. But what mm. about our kids? who are sitting there with their masks on, who are pretending they've got their shit together, and then we're going, ba-da-da, ba, you're useless, you're hopeless, you're, you know. And then how we're dealing with all of this is, you know, it's all, it's, it's so devastating, you know. So no one mm. deals with facts anymore. That You know, they, they, no one's including the voice of the people. in mental health. So you've got academics and clinicians. So, um, but you've got academics and clinicians working uh, uh, endlessly, right? But on the other side of that, you've got, um, you know, you've got the people and the people's voices not being heard. You know, we feel like we're being shut out of the conversation. For example, the academics and the clinicians, the message is from them, hey, reach out and ask for help. Well, here's a fact that they haven't talked about. 80% of people who are in crisis, whether it's suicidal or just serious crisis, never ask for help ever, which is why when there's a, you know, a suicide, oh, we're all surprised, we're all shocked. You know, because I'm wearing my mask. I'm, you know, I'm the life of the party. I'm the party guy. I'm always giving love to everyone else, right? So 80% of people never ask for help. And when you drill down and ask why, because I'm worried about what other people will think. I'm worried about mm. what other people will say. And I'm worried about what other people will do with the information. In other words, they're worried about us for a bit. They're worried mm. about society, how society is going to react. And our message to them, hey, if you're having problems, reach out and ask for help. I just told you I'm scared of sharks. And your solution is, hey, swim in that pool of sharks and help might be there. It's ridiculous. Our messaging should be, our messaging should be, what are you doing, Mr. In a Good Space right now? What are you doing to make it okay for your mates to ask for help? You know, mm. and that's not about, hey, putting up a post on Facebook going, hey, guys, just reaching out to anyone that's suicidal. Uh, you know, I'm here for you. I can help you. Just contact me. You know, it's not the about that. Don't tell me. Show private me. Private channels, yeah. Yeah, show me. You know, so we need to be saying to people, what are you doing to make it okay to ask for help? Now, how do you know that you're the problem? I'm talking to men in particular here. If you haven't had another man come to you in the last two years and talk about his emotions with tears in his eyes and ask for your advice, 
you're the problem. Hmm. We all have problems. You know, I get people coming to me all the time, but if you haven't had a mate or a group of mates, you know, actually show emotion and say, you know, I've got this issue. You're the problem. And it's not that you're a bad person, you know, um, I'm worse than most of you. Google me. You'll see, man. I'm like, I'm a person. <laughs> but the only difference between me and you is I've made myself emotionally available. How mm. have I done that? Not by saying, Hey, reach out by making myself vulnerable and talking about my inner critic and talking about my problems. You know, mm. th that's how you do. You make yourself available by making yourself vulnerable and leading by example. Now, so, I'll finish on this, bro, because I've got to run. There, but, there. you know, people want to know how to start a mental health conversation, right? Everyone's saying, like, just talk, just talk. Well, you know, how do you have that conversation? I mean, you know, people think you should just talk about your problems. But if you come to me and say, hey, Mike, how are you? Robert, I'm so glad, mate. Sit down. As a child, this happened. No one wants that conversation, right? It's uncomfortable. You know, I don't know how to deal with this. So what I'm asking everyone to do is let's normalize the biggest problem in, in mental health today, which is the inner critic. So how do mm. we have that conversation now? Really simple. You come to me and say, hey, Mike, how's your day? Shit, Robert, my fucking mm. inner critic is killing me today. Instantly, you're going to go, oh, this is good. What's it saying? So, oh, I walked past, mm. I walked past Bob today in the hallway and Jesus, Jesus Christ, my inner critic, and he didn't look at me and my inner critic went, oh, you know, Bob hates you. He's always hated you, you know, and my, and my voice of reasons go, oh, Bob, for nah, shut up, Bob, Bob hates you. And then your friend, you know, he might turn around and go, oh, did, did you know Bob's kid fell off the playground yesterday and he got a broken arm? That might be on his mind, you know? Yeah. So I might get more information on the one hand, but point number two, I'm letting this other person know that I have an inner critic. He has an inner critic too. And maybe he'll feel comfortable about opening up and talking. Well, it's the about Trojan that. horse about it, right? It's the That's Trojan horse of, brother. it's the, exa exactly that. I know you've got a, you've got a boost and tap. I was going to ask the, um, how do you deal with the weight of the weight of all of this? You know, like uh, well, there's been, you know. In the beginning, it was a killer, bro. In the beginning, because I was trying to fix everyone, right? I yeah. was trying to. So my. You can't uh, scale you. Yeah, my, my, my motto is this. I can't fix you. I can't take your problems on, but I can pathway you to the help that you need. You know, mm. so if you come to me with a problem, yeah, tell me what's going on, but I'm not going to take it in and carry it. I'm just, it's mm. information that I can use. Right. You need to speak to this person. Let me, let, let me find out who I can guide you to an expert. Like I'm, you know, I can't take your problem on and I can't fix you. I'm, I'm not qualified to take your problem on or fix you. All I'm qualified to give you is unconditional love and hope. What does that look like? By giving you my time. Often yeah. when I say to people, go and see someone, you know, we, we said, so you need to go and see someone. If it, you know, if it's someone close to me and, you know, and I can connect, I go with them because yeah. quite often when you say to someone, go and get some help, what they're hearing is you're not worth my time. You're not mm. worth the most valuable thing you can give to anyone is time to sit and listen 
and it's it's perfectly okay to go holy shit i don't even know what to do with that but i thank you for sharing it with me and let's work on something where we can get you to a place where you need to be mm. no it's awesome brother the um uh very quickly i know you've got a boost because you've got that other thing you got to do is um a thousand letters come out yep. being you're a bit frustrated with the lack of distribution or acknowledgement from certain Again, brother, it's the, it's the people's voice being ignored because, mm. you know, be, because a bunch of bureaucrats, academics and clinicians think that I was a naughty schoolboy and went out and did a project <laughs> without their permission and we don't care if it saves lives. We told you not to do it. You're a naughty boy. And we're not even going to read it, but it could save I don't care that it could save lives. You never got our permission. You know, and this is the problem. These, these, these people that think that they are the only way. Well, guess what? With our rising suicide figures and our mental health figures, if they were on, uh, if these, if their KPIs were taken into account, every single one of those bastards would be fired. Now, I don't want them fired. All I am saying is, we are a legitimate voice in this. We are mm. the first responders, and if you don't include us in your in your studies, and if you don't listen to our opinion, we will rebel. And no well, one when, wins. And no one wins. No, because I I put a post up saying, you know, whoever wins the next election, I hope they could drip down on the mental health spending because it's clearly that the long tail of COVID is going to have a pretty significant mental health impact for the nation. You commented below and said. Um, the money's there, it's being basically spent wrong yep. and stuffed. Yep. And I asked a bunch of people around it. Yeah. 1.9 and so, billion dollars. And, and, and I guarantee you, 0.9 of that billion dollars is spent on on covering us and risk management and bureaucracy and, you know, people lining their pockets. You know, it's 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 terrible. And, and like, OIA, Robert, I dare you to OIA, the uh, Ministry of Health, and go, Where's the $1.9 billion being spent? Because I can't see it everywhere. And all you'll get is thousands of pages of redacted pieces of paper, just wasted ink. And once you get through it all, you'll still have no idea where that money's gone. It's ridiculously impossible to find out. Ridiculous. I've seen the same thing happen over and over with those that care so passionately about something unfortunately having to operate consistently outside of the ecosystem which has been built yeah. and paid for to be doing the thing that they care about it's happened in sport it's happened in business it's happened in councils it's happened in maori it's happened in entrepreneurship it's happened just dot 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 um i know you've got to go brother i want to do this um again let's line up another one because we've got more things we can get into but um i appreciate your time and always good chatting my friend and um good luck i think next week you're probably gonna hit you'll be at 30 press-ups by by the by the <laughs> hoping, of this thing brother. mate I'm hoping. Brother. Love you, man. Keep up the great work. Love you, work. brother. Thanks, Take bro. Care. Talk soon, man. Aye, bro. Peace. The bro, Mike King, such a flipping G. Uh, also, totally useless on the calendar because he totally forgot that we were on after we'd been texting and messaging. So I had to pull over on the side of the road after his gym session. Jingle bells. Um, yeah, Mike King, New Zealander of the Year. Absolute maverick in the landscape. Cares a lot about so much and so many. Um, but the great thing with the best bit I love when it with my crew is they're so into their thing that they can just flip and send it. I don't even feel that was an interview. He just flip and sent it for half an hour. And I think it's flipping great. Uh, before we kick off into uh, number two, we have one minute.
pitch. I hope you're ready, friends. I don't know what you're going to say, but it better be bloody good. Ready to jump in. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, how are you, brother? Hello. Hello, Robert. How are you? Good, my friend. I don't have a flipping clue what you're about to say, but you've got one minute. It better be bloody mm. epic. Are we, I'll, I'll right. set a timer here and we'll sure. get you up and go. Make sure, mm. we've, I've, seen, I've seen a few of these roll out now. Make sure you give some type of call to action with the website, the name of a business, maybe potentially the business model and just, you know, mm. knock some shit out quick. All right. Ready, my <laughs> friend? I'm, I'm going to put this timer... I'm, I'm really hyped on this, mate. I hope, I hope you crush it. Alrighty, it's <laughs> all you. you in three, two, one, go. Hi, um, my name is Franz, and I am the lead host and presenter for a podcast video series called To the Sky. Because um, I felt like there was something missing from CV's personality, and I feel like that's a big one for me. So I decided to create a platform to help young up-and-comers such as myself or recent graduates to stand out by showcasing their achievements, their projects, and what they have learned through a digital format in a relaxed and safe atmosphere. Now, I feel like this is such a great benefit for the viewer, because if you are a recruiter or a team lead looking for a new member, you get a chance to put a personality and face and a face next to a CV. See, I don't think this you would replace a CV, but they should work together in tandem and better explaining who you are trying to reach out to. And I feel like this provides a great benefit for the people coming on to the series because they get validation and feedback of our interview process. So I guess you can find um, my video series on LinkedIn. That's where I usually post them. Boom. How did, how did that sound? Pretty good, mate. Uh, mm, thank you. Uh, so how does it, uh, what's the website? Um, so currently, uh, I have uh, it on my blog post, um, friendslom.wordpress.com. Uh, it's where I um, pub um, publish my videos and is where I publish um, uh, some, some articles about the people who come on. I also usually post it out on my LinkedIn, which is just search me up at Franz Lamiba or To The Sky. Um, you, will, you should be able to find them. Yeah. There you go. Nice, man. Good stuff. Um, I'll give you some, give you some claps. <laughs> Thank you. Um, let me about... L O M I B A O. I B A O. Yep. Thank you. Yep. I, I just read your name back, making it look like I actually knew how to spell it. Totally don't give me credit. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, bro. Good stuff. Um, really appreciate it. And I'll, I'll um, catch Thank you, you soon. Thank you very much. Sure, brother. See ya. Boom. There you go. Friends. Game on. Uh, up next, ladies and gentlemen. Claps up. Oh, for awesome. Not in Guatemala now, Dr. Roberta. It is Ollie Bennett. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Dude, Mike came in hot. I like it. He did. It's good. I like all it. Passion, all passionate people do. <laughs> I like it. Um, how, can how I are ask you, you a question? Well, hold on. First, before we kick off, can I ask you a question from that interview? Sure. Yes. Did, do you know what an OAA is? Yes, because someone else has been trolling another person that I know uh, <laughs> posting about OIAs, but I think is it official information act something? Beautiful, you got it. Because I was watching and I was like, oh, Mike coming in with the bureaucratic speak, and then I was thinking, yep. I wonder if the bro right. knows what it's saying. Did you not see me? I got my pen, I went down here, and I started writing because I was like, I am noting that down. Duly noted. <laughs> uh, OIA. 
uh, Ministry of Health, $1.9 billion spend. Please tell me where the money went. Uh, yeah. I thought that what was interesting with it is, I don't know obviously the details of the, how it all works um, super internally, but he basically said that there's more than enough money. It's just been spent insanely, horrendously bad in his opinion for it. Um, but the, the danger with, with governments, with stuff like this, is when you've got sort of, they must hate him so much for how gnarly he rolls outside of the system that he so i guess you know they would see him as a some type of threat and you know when he goes on his little rants it's like you know he's so passionate about it it would just make sense to try and work with 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 people that try to help instead of against them because clearly he's frustrated now having to go back channel a whole bunch of different articles on the mainstream when his intent is there he cares more than genuinely most flipping people that i've ever met so you know whether it's an ego or a process thing I, I mean you know so yeah it's pretty gnarly have you read the report the thousand no. letters no 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 heavy. but what i would say yeah a bit heavy a bit what yeah. i would say about um his role is i don't think it's necessarily that a government or any government would hate him but if we look through history, it's always been up to single people or small groups mm. to really fundamentally make change. You know, you look at um, the wahine that's on our $10 note, Kate Shepard. You know, she was the one who was there petitioning to make sure that women had the vote. You know, he's not unique in that it does take, like, generally a couple of or single passionate people to really mm. push for change and we've just seen that happen time and time and time again and it's going to happen in the future oh i love it that when when you're passionate and you just start sending it and you you just yeah. don't because i think what's so clear with him and you know we've broke down a little bit is his why is so pure that he's willing to get steamrolled from anyone everywhere the entire time because as he said he's on the front line seeing it you know so yeah um no i will definitely be looking into this oi uh, mate, it's actually maybe Section 161, Official Information Act, I believe. Might, might, it section, might be. it's not a very big act. It doesn't have that many section. No, I'm just looking at the comments to make it look smarter. <laughs> uh, politics this week. What have we yes. seen? What's bubbling? What would you like to talk about, Miss Holly Bennett? The key thing was the leaders' debate. Yes. So, external, I've, I had a uh, group chat that was that was yep. going on with some some Kiwis. And they were not impressed with a certain individual. But then I saw another post on LinkedIn, which was very clear that uh, LinkedIn and the streets felt one way, Facebook felt another way. It felt like there were two different sort of, um, you know, uh, reflection points that were happening from both. What did you think happened? Now, I have to be fully transparent. Oh, Is shit. That... Who paid you? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Oh, sorry, sorry, no. sorry. Don't no, turn too um, soon. You haven't you haven't got to the yeah. end result yet. <laughs> no, um, fully transparent is that as much as I love politics, sometimes I have a life, and I did go out to dinner on that evening on Tuesday night, what? so I didn't watch so the debate. Even... <laughs> <laughs> Your job is political consulting in the world. This is what you do. When and we, were... I actually I respect that. Um, from what you've seen and heard, uh, who do you? What did the streets say? Who did the streets this say? Is... One. Who did inside say one? And this is Go. what I'm saying. When you haven't seen it, you only get to hear snippets. And actually the reality is, is that most people base their opinions on what they hear rather than yes. what they actually see. So from what I hear is, is that there was no clear winner in the debate because I guess the traditional thing is from a debate. Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. But they did say that they thought that, uh, well, from what I heard is that Judith Collins put on the better... Um, 
show showmanship that evening and then the flip side of that is that i heard that um the pri uh, the labor leader looked um so jacinda looked tired and co a comment i heard was like lackluster and then i always think about the reality that's sitting in behind with human beings and i know how tired i'm feeling due to covid and i only have my small little space in the world so i can't imagine how the people who are running the ship are feeling right now so i think that perhaps the labor leader could be forgiven for being a little bit fatigued and then i wait to be um flamed in the comments for that however that's my view um the other bit that i saw is um i think the, the polit political social troll of the year um old mate seymour has been just looks like he's steadily climbing in the racks with a act is that is that a fair statement is he starting to gain some traction seven percent seven percent now what shows how much i know in the last election what percent were they uh, i think what? he was oh well so he's got his seat so he'll be in parliament if the voters of epsom vote him back in um got it. so then any additional party vote that uh, relates to how many additional people he can bring in on his list. And so if you think about the Greens and New Zealand First, they run entirely list um, processes in terms of they don't have any seats. So they rely on party vote percentage to get them in. Yep. So last election uh, didn't get enough party vote uh, for ACT to get any additional members in. So it was still just Seymour on his seat of Epsom yep. under seven percent I think he can bring in nine nine people yeah I think oh wow so he's gonna maybe go from like one to ten yeah I think all about nine including himself yeah good yeah. I, I mean I, I um I think is out of the stuff I've seen so far his social game looks strong um yeah. and then also I saw his interview with you and he just looks like kind of a good bastard as well so I'm, I'm stuck that he's getting a bit more airtime it's cool yeah yeah, 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 on the political uh, power hour, which everyone can go check out if they want to see him back in uh, March, pre-COVID. Plug, 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 plug. What else is bubbling? What's the next big thing happening in politics that we need to be aware of or think about or look at? I don't, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I think, um, I think everyone, well, at least from what I'm seeing, are quite fatigued really. And we're still, mm. what, three weeks away from the election. So we've still What's got a long slog to get there. 17th. Yeah, got it. Mm. Mm. Um, did you tell me to watch that Hey Hey Chloe thing? Was that you who told me to watch no. that? The little no. um, eight-minute uh, doco thing on uh, Close Warbrick. Have you no. seen it? No. Yeah, it's, uh, watch it. It's actually because I, I, I don't I've never met her. Don't don't know her friends friends know her. And it was actually quite a cool thing of just a different like um, young buck female in the in the in the space just rolling different and doing stuff. And it was a really cool insight to see how um, you know from a I don't know if she's deemed as a maverick, but young buck, whatever it is in that in that world, I thought it was it was, it was a pretty cool um, kind of look behind the curtain of of a young politician trying to trying to change the game and, and do things differently. It was super cool. It was called Yeah, Hey Chloe, was it Okay Chloe, like Okay Boomer or something? It was like Okay Chloe or something. It was something like that. The name of that. It was pretty cool. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so at, as it stands, from the word on the street, who do you think is going to win the election? Oh, I don't know. Everyone keeps asking me that. That's because this is your Everyone job and you didn't even watch the last that. debate. Holy, yeah, but I was, is, having an, I, was having, I was having an amazing dinner supporting the oh, hospitality sector. Oh, yeah. Fair call. 
was a drive through KFC. What, what were you doing? <laughs> you don't tell people that. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The not to show. Um, so, um, no. Uh, who's going to win the election? I really don't know. So the reason why I say this is because in 2017, National was polling at around 46%. And the thing that blindsided me about the 2017 election was that I did not see the Māori Party disappearing. Ooh. Oh, yep. Okay. And they disappeared. They lost. Um, so the leader, um, Te Uroa Flavel, lost his seat, Wairiki, uh, which is the seat around where my whanau is from, Rotorua. And um, Māori Party disappeared, went out of parliament. And I hmm. did not see that happening. And so I, I didn't call that, and I try to, try to keep involved and see what's happening across um, all, all facets of politics. And so to see whether or not, like to call, try call it this year, now I think, oh, well, you know, your guess is as good as mine because at the end of the day, it's just a guess because I was absolutely certain that Māori Party was going to return last year and then they, uh, last election and they didn't. Are they trying back for this year? Yeah, yeah. Who's going for it? Who's the boss? Um, so old mate John Tamahiri is co-leader. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm out of the loop. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> So hopefully, fingers crossed, um, so he's co-leader, um, and so fingers crossed, I'm hosting a deputy leaders debate next week on Wednesday, 9 to 10. Um, so we've got Calvin Davis confirmed, and hopefully JT will turn out for that as well. So we'll have cool. a nice quarter um 9 to 10 on, via online um, with the deputy leaders. Uh, so hopefully Jerry will come as well, and... Um, Hopefully, Brooke from ACT will come. And, uh, yeah, we can talk about all things as a deputy, sort of what it means and what their visions are yeah, for, nice. the, for, the, um, uh, for the country. I will give you a... Oh, for awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, I was going to ask one quick thing. There, yes. I heard there was, there was some big sort of social beef that was happening between two people that I know recently. And you know how I get these ideas in my head and I just, like, just go for it. Yeah. So what I had an idea is I went, I've bought like a full American style NFL referee shirt, like a white and black full like yeah. American style referee shirt. And I want to do a, a Rebet Live debate with mm -hmm. two individuals and literally sit in the middle and, and, and let them go, go at it. And it's not necessarily it's like personal attacks or whatever. It's the fact of where is like long form real chat that you could say real shit and and for things that I think are pretty important that enable everyone to actually have their own, you know, have, have their say and get their opinion out there regardless what it is. Because of the part of my re little reason for it is I've just been watching a little bit of how this whole um, uh, censorship mentality is starting to happen from bigger platforms. And then I've been thinking about, well, where's the space that people actually go and actually save an opinion, whether they're right or wrong, like where can they truly go? So would you think that would be a good idea to potentially try and set up something like that would would, would that be dangerous or would that be pretty, pretty good? It's up to the individuals at the end of the day. Mm. And I don't know who these individuals are. I perhaps have a fair idea, but I'm not going to say it. Um, and so, <laughs> and so it's whether or not their own, their, 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 they view that to be a good thing for not only business, yeah. but personal brand and all of those kind of things. And then they can back themselves to be on a platform in that way and let you sort of like fan the flames. 
<laughs> no, no, safely moderate in a controlled environment where they know that I'm probably crazier than them, so it will be totally even. Um, I love your <laughs> um, work, one Holly. Thing, Sorry, can go? I just say before, yeah. always, I'm like, come on, let me do uh, it. Go, so sorry. I saw that Labour has just announced, so when you talked about the censorship around platforms, Labour yes. has just announced um, that uh, something around hate speech, uh, you know, trying to, if they were back in government next, in this next term, um, to reduce the criticism on religious groups. Hmm. Which to me fundamentally sounds like a huge erosion of your freedom of speech. Because well, that's ex no, this is exactly the thing that I'm talking about for the states. Because the the, yeah. the beef, what there's a big thing happening. Joe Rogan left from YouTube to Spotify. Fine, it shifted over, and a whole bunch of the episodes went on there because for guidelines, whatever. And now they're yeah. trying to censor who comes on, what can they say, whatever. And he's sitting there like, uh, what the fuck? But it's the point of however that deal is structured is going to set the precedent for all the other things of, oh, so now platforms decide if I want to talk to some crazy nut job or not and platforms decide if it's going to get monetized and I've lose yeah, 30 million, blah, blah, blah. So no, keep tabs on this because I think it's, it's very and extremely important. I think it's I really will. important. So, so, you know, my, um, my great grandfather was the first Anglican Bishop of Aotearoa. So we have a long history Jeez. of being Anglicans. Um, I'm an atheist personally, an agnostic atheist. Uh, I don't, are you really? I, yeah. I know that. Yeah. There you go. And, and, but I think I like about, like, but I don't have any qualms with anyone else that they want to live their life by whatever religion, whether it's me, Christianity, like Buddhism, whatever, like Scientology, like fill your boots. It's your, it's your life. You can do whatever you want. Um, but give me the right to be able to make opinions based on what other people are putting out there. Like, isn't that the whole yep. job of like, when like we own our own speech, therefore let me make decisions based on what people say, because everyone sort of worries about oh, if they go and say that I'm like, if somebody says something stupid, I'm then going to say that was stupid in my head and be like, okay, now I know something about you. Right. Mm, got it. Let us no, fundamentally I, I... make up our own minds about what, you know, we think about people and their comments because things that I might think are stupid, another person might be like, that is such a great idea. And, mm. you know, that's okay. Mm. We're going to go back on this. I'm interested. Yeah, I think we should. Um, love your work, Holly. Be good. Would you like, what would you like to leave? Should I, I'll, give you, I'll give you claps <laughs> and then maybe. My Fenonga. They're not in. Yeah, yes, yes, my Fenonga. Yeah. How good is that? And then I, oh, you it. forgot the other. Oh, <laughs> 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 All right. See you, Holly. Kakite. Love your work. Champ, Holly Bennett, legend. Oh, good show today. We're, we're, we're rolling it. Um, and then LinkedIn user says, uh, agnostic, atheist, don't those conflict ideologically. Um, well, LinkedIn user, I don't know what three of those words properly mean, so don't know the answer. Sorry about that. But I'll ask Holly. Um, next up, we have good friend, Cassie Roma. Um, she is not in the office. Uh, she wasn't going for a run. From all accounts, she's somewhere on the um, beach, I believe. And we can't unmute your guest because she is. Okay. Cassie, you're on. You need to unmute yourselves. Where are you? That looks amazing. I'll give you claps. Uh, surely you can hear me. Surely you can hear me. Yeah, I got you now. So here we Where are. Where are you? Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah we've got. I didn't realize I'm we on mission. Remote. I always get it mixed up. Mission Bay, Mission Beach. We're on, we are going remote because what I'm doing this morning is it's mental health week, right? You had a great chat with yes. Mike. 
So I'm going to teach a friend how to stand up paddleboard this morning. Oh, what size board's that? Is it like a 12 footer? What do you got? Like it's a it's a 10 six. It's a 10 yeah, six, but it. we're not big people, so we'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> okay, maybe I was just talking about what I needed. Okay, cool. Yeah, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you been for? There's a little bit of a, a, a lag because we're going we're going mobile, but it's fine. How's the week been? What's the biggest thing that you'd like to talk about today on this um, this New Zealand Mental Health Week or media or content or politics, whatever you'd like? What's bubbling? Week's been fantastic. I loved listening to Mike this morning because I feel like a lot of us are doing what we do um, have concentrated a lot more on having conversations that we needed to have. I love when he said we are all, what did he say, we are risk assessors or something like that. Yeah. We're all trying to figure out how to mitigate risk in our daily life. And I was like, oh, hard. It, we are all risk mitigators right now. And Yep. This week's kind of been like that. I got up this morning and actually um, lectured a class in California of kids who are 14 to 18, and we talked about mental health, and we talked about the journey and professionalism and school, and Mike's right, man. We are just getting in the way of our kids sometimes. They're going to be fine. Like, such a heartfelt thing to, to hear young people asking deep questions. So I feel like maybe we're doing a good job with our young people when it comes to professional life and personal life and mental health. Uh, maybe jumping on the the back end of what me and Holly were just talking about. Do you have any thoughts or anything around the idea of uh, censorship platforms? And oh, what? What are you doing? Is that Nika? <laughs> That's what <I'm> yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Tell her I'm sorry. <laughs> she looks Special awesome. She looks fantastic. Oh, jeez. She got a little three two on. What That's she got? Right. She, she, That's right. Is it a three two? I think she does. She's got a three-two. She's got a three-two. She's. I'll help her. I'm gonna help her zip it up. Just. <laughs> We're gonna relax. Just don't want to get your skin broke. Yeah. She's in. She's in. I didn't take off half of her Hi, back. Anika. Looks good, girl. Oh, I feel like I can't wait. I feel like a. Hi, Anika. Yes. Hey, this is my office today. This is my office. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thoughts. Platform censorship. Yeah. Anything that you'd, you think might be bubbling in the ether, which may have an impact on content creators, media marketing, free speech, you being American, everything else. Any thoughts? Uh, you know, it's a bit of a shit show right now overseas, isn't it? After the Breonna Taylor stuff that's going on in the States right now, um, I couldn't even start to think about platform censorship and all of the, the litigation that's going to start happening because, fuck, we can't, we can't even get civil rights, right? Um, so this week's been a, a big... Uh, look at that for me. Um, I'm trying to figure out, I don't know, um, when we think about platforms, we think about data and we think about all of the things that we do business on, that we connect on, that we have conversations on. They're always going to change. They're always going to move. But we have a chance right now to, to make them better for the future and to build them better. So my heart's in like an optimistic space. It's heavy, but it's optimistic. Um, I'm pretty, I'm, yeah, that's where I am this week, Robert. <laughs> No, it's good. Uh, best best thing you've seen this week, which made you smile. Oh, mate, probably just what happened behind me there. <laughs> oh, mate. You've got a good view. There. How about you're, you? You're what's been the best thing in your week? Yeah, yeah. What's been the best uh, part of your week? Best part was well, it's it's um it's not that it's well, my three year old can legitimately beat me in this 
card matching game and you have like different things on each card, she genuinely beat me. Yeah. And I was so Memory. dark because yeah. I'm so competitive and my brain can't see the same thing. And so I sat there and I was like, well, I like I'm being totally serious, Cassie. She she spotted it before I did, and I was trying really, really, really hard. So I got super <laughs> dark, and then I got really proud. I'm like, shit! If she's three and can already beat me, I think I'm I'm gonna be absolutely fine. So that was probably There's one of the future. funnest things this week. There's my future. Right. So we're oh. we're both seeing the beauty in in our next generations. That's it. Um, I will leave you to your awesomeness that's about to ensue. Send me a photo, tell Anika I said hi, and stay out of mischief. Be good, and I'll talk to you next week. Lots of mischief. See you, bro. See you next week. Love you, work. Bye. Bye. Cassie, at Mission Bay, going water paddle paddleboarding, going supping um, with uh, <laughs> a good friend of Anika Moa. Uh, that's us for the day. I really, really want next time we're going to go deeper with uh, Mike King on, on the vents and the rambles. I think that was absolutely epic. Um, the political debate, if you watched it, who do you think won? Genuinely, who do you think will win the next election? It is, the older you get, the more it matters because every single thing that touches your life is in some way connected somehow to politics so it's slowly and it's great every single week i get to learn more and more through through holly and and all the other bits and pieces um and then uh cassie marketing and just one thing i have generally have been thinking about is this potential power struggle of free speech which is starting to happen um and lines get drawn on platforms and obviously you know we're in new zealand a little on new zealand but it does matter because the second that you know publicly listed companies can start um, deciding who can say what on what platforms at what time, who, what, where, when, um, who isn't isn't allowed to have a, have a say, goes away from the, the fact that anyone can have their thoughts. Now, regardless whether you are right or whether you're wrong, um, you all have a right to an opinion. Whether Even if you're a Muppet kook that doesn't know what they're, they're talking about, you have a right to have that opinion, 100%, and if you feel the other way. But I don't think it feels right that other people um, you know, companies that are publicly listed can say, oh no, you actually can't have that guest on. Oh, hey, you actually can't um, say this thing if that's your opinion. Now, now if it's, you know, horrible, bad shit, blah, 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 I get that, but they can get flagged. But um, yeah, you have a, it's a dangerous slope that we might be heading down if, um, if big corps start telling me or any creator or someone listen what you can and can't see what you can and can't consume uh, because, um, you know, you've got a right to the opinion, you've got a right to be able to say it. So I hope you had a good day. I hope you have a good day. Rest of the week, and I'll see you all soon. Uh, big thanks to our guests, um, friends who came in on the One Minute Pitch, Mike King, uh, New Zealander of the Year. Uh, huge. If you get a chance, go check out the 1,000 uh, Letters. Um, just Google that up. Amazing. Um, and also to Holly Bennett and Cassie Roman for joining in today. This is pretty cool. I'm happy with the format of how this is rolling. And also, I've got some homework. I need to do a OIA on the Ministry of Health $1.9 billion spend. For um, to see what is happening there. Okay. Cheers, team. Have a good one. I'll see you soon. Peace.